Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Autistic Adventures. I'm Cass, and today is episode 35. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about social relationships, also known as friendships, but more specifically, online friendships. So I was reading this interesting article in this magazine called Breathe. It was the anti-inflammation special edition, and it's talking about Um, if there's an optimum number of human connections to have or talking about quality over quantity. Now, we know um, being autistic or being neurodivergent, we usually struggle to have relationships or have friendships. Not, you know, that we don't have any, but it just seems a little bit more difficult for us to make them and maintain them. But according to anthropologist Robin Dunbar, 150 people is the magic number. And that sounds like a lot. When I read it, I'm like, who in the hell has 150 friends? Like, I was thinking, I'm like, do I even know 150 people? But, you know, hang on with me here. It's talking about the amount of stable social relationships a person can handle. So it says that this guy, or Robin Dunbar, Robin could be a man or a woman, so I'm not sure which. They say that 150 is the maximum number of people in your network with whom you can be expected to maintain relationships. More than that, and, you know, moves into acquaintance territory, which, you know, I personally don't really prefer relationships. It says 50 is the approximate size of a friendship circle, while 15 good friends is about right, and the number of very close friends or loved ones being five. So what's interesting about this is it talks about social media. The average number of friends a person has on Facebook is about 338. I went on to mine and it was 382 uh, friends that I had. And which actually was pretty low for me. I have been all the way up to over a thousand friends on my social media on my Facebook. And some people out there don't have Uh, social media and that's totally acceptable Um, there's I would say many negatives that in fact outweigh the positives of having a social media but I have one for my own personal reasons the main one being I like uploading pictures and videos so I can see memories and um, there are a few family members that I interact with So the average number of friends a person has on Facebook is about 338, while a personal Instagram account is between 100 and 200. I have an Instagram, but I don't use it. Um, I came from the day and age where Zanga and MySpace were the thing, and I really struggled when MySpace was phasing out and Facebook was phasing in. I even rebelled for a few years and was like, I'm not getting a Facebook. And then, of course, I did, and I've had a Facebook for I think 14 years. It's been a long time. And so um, Instagram, when it came out, I I wasn't into it. I have one, but I just don't like the platform as much. Um, I really struggle with new things or um, changing over and doing new things or trying to do like two different things at once. So I'm like, I just want one social media. That's what's comfortable for me. So I I really started thinking about this. Like, I have 382 friends on my Facebook, but how many of those people do I, A, actually know, B, like, have interacted with in the last five years, and C, who interact with me, or, like, even look at my stuff? And so I really started to think about that, and 
you know, sometimes it talks about how when we struggle with having connections, um, that, you know, when we have numbers creep up on our social media or, you know, when we see people, you know, liking our feeds and stuff, it provides a momentary lift and it appeals to your ego, but does little to soothe the soul. And so, you know, kind of filling this void of like, oh, I have all these friends on online, but they, there's no actual connections that are taking place. And I'm just saying this as like a personal thing. You know, you may have lots of friends on your Facebook and you interact with all of them and that's great. But for me, um, you know, it's, it's hard and it can get overwhelming when you're scrolling through and you're just seeing all these people from years past or old coworkers or you know, people you'd have a brief exchange with and never really made it past that. And so, uh, it can be overwhelming. And then instead of having this, you know, quantity of friends, pairing it down so that you can actually work on a core five to 10 people that actually matter to you and mean something to you. And so I decided after I read this article that I was going to pare down my Facebook. And so I pared it down all the way to 175. Now, granted, I would say a third to a half of those people are my husband's family. Um, he has a huge family. Well, huge to me. I know that's kind of, um, you know, subjective, but he's got like 23 first cousins and it just gets insane from there. So he's got a lot of family and I know that a lot of the family, especially the older family, like great aunts and uncles, um, you know, um, you know, older, some of the older generation really enjoy seeing updates about our family, not because they even know me specifically because they know obviously, uh, Joe, my husband, and then seeing, you know, updates of my kids and stuff. So I'm like, I don't mind keeping those people on there so that they can, you know, see that. Cause that may be the only connection they ever get with, you know, our family. Cause a lot of them don't live here or they're just, you know, we don't visit with them or, you know, for whatever reason, that's our only connection really. And so I kept most of his family. But what I found interesting is when I was pairing people down and deciding who I should keep and not keep, a lot of the people that I had on my Facebook were people that I always wished and hoped that I was going to get a friendship with them. I mean, we may have been friends at one point, um, but I always wanted it to be more or deeper or like have them like me. Like that was a thing. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to delete everyone who never actually was my friend that I just wanted them to be my friend or I wanted a different friendship with them than I actually had. You know, one of them being a, a friend from middle school that I, she was the popular girl. And although we like chatted cause it was a small school, we were never like good friends. And I always like wanted that. That was something I felt was going to give me value in life. And we were never close. And I'm in, I'm 34 now and she's still my friend on Facebook. And I'm like, you can let this go. Like <laughs> you guys aren't going to be friends. I promise. And you know, I didn't even feel 
sad or like depressed about it. I was like, I'm getting rid of people in my life that don't interact with me. We're never really my friend in the first place and probably on a subconscious level make me feel bad about myself when I see an update from them and feel like I'm, you know, looking through the glass or I'm outside looking in at their life knowing that I'm not really a part of their life. Not that I need to be. I don't feel like I need to be that girl's friend. But just remembering being in middle school, craving that friendship and and wanting to have a deeper friendship with them and just never getting it. And it's fine. Like I can get over myself and it's not that big of a deal. You know, fast forward all the way up till now where, you know, I had made quote unquote friends with old coworkers or, you know, met a friend through a mutual other friend and always hoped it would go somewhere and it never did. And I'm like, I can let all of these quote unquote friendships go. They're never going to get past a certain point. Um, they don't necessarily care about me. Not that they're like purpose that like, they probably don't even think of me. They're probably not even looking at my stuff and I'm not looking at their stuff. So I'm like, I can let these things go so that when I do open my feed, it's about people that I care about. And it's about maybe something I want to invest in or, you know, comment on or message them about. And I'll see more of those posts rather than seeing these people that have never been a part of my life. And so I just found that really interesting that most of the people I went through and deleted were people that I had basically held out hope for. And I wasn't sitting here thinking about them every day. Like if you listen to my previous posts, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a stalker. I'm, I'm not a weirdo in that sense, but just like that, that mental like passing thought of like, Oh, you know, it'd be cool if we were friends or, you know, I always wanted to be their friend or, you know, I always wanted to hang out and have our kids hang out and have it be something and never, never was. And so I was, it felt very freeing to remove those people and to move on essentially from that thought and that hope. So one of the things that they had suggested is to use a sketch a circle to determine like your friendships. And I have a version of this. It's not a circle, but at one point I had had um, a list of people who were my friends. And in fact, I actually have a thing in my phone that reminds me of who's a good friend to me because people reach out to me or I mean, not so much anymore, but people have in the past reached out to me and asked for favors or wanted to talk and have me be like their free therapist because I'm really good at that. And, you know, I had started to jot down in my phone on the contact list, like who is a friend and who is not. And so I have this little um, like emoji that I use. And if this person is a really, really close friend or a best friend or someone that has invested a lot of time and energy into me that I know like genuinely cares about me, it's not about like favors or what we provide for each other. Like it's, it's just, um, someone that I trust essentially. If it's someone that I trust, I will have a strawberry emoji next to their name they're my strawberry people. And I had actually heard this from some other person. Uh, It could have been another podcaster, but it's been several years, so I can't recall now. I think it was though. 
And if it's someone that is an acquaintance or a potential friend or a friend that I'm kind of on the fence about or I'm not sure what their um, intentions are, I have a little like plant sprout. So it's like I have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to become a strawberry. I'm not saying you're not a strawberry friend or you're less important. I'm saying I just... I'm not going to drop everything to help that person or I'm not going to go out of my way to make sure that I'm, you know, um, like being an end-all be-all to this person that's a plant sprout in my life. Like there's an opportunity there, absolutely. But um, reminding myself that I don't have to give all of my energy and all of my attention to people in my life that haven't necessarily... I'm not going to say show their worth, but like, um, make me feel like there's equal value in our friendship. There's an equal amount of give and take because I have a tendency to overgive. I have a tendency to help anybody with anything. And I feel like that gives me value. And I'm learning that what actually gives me value is I already have value. I don't need to prove that I have value. I don't need to do things or do favors or be a certain way to have value. And it's just a good reminder to myself. So I have plant sprout friends or even family or people in my life and I have strawberry friends. So when, you know, that text pops up or that uh, phone call pops up and I see that strawberry, I can remind myself like they're a safe person, they're a safe place. And those have changed sometimes and I've had to change, you know, the picture of the contact in my phone, which is unfortunate, but it's just a little helpful reminder because otherwise I'll just treat everyone like they're my best friend and maybe extend and give too much of myself when I don't need to be doing that. So I did actually have a friends list because I'm a weirdo and I like lists and I have a thousand lists about a thousand things in my phone, but I had started to list my friends in order of acquaintance, of a potential friend, of social media friends, regular friends, close friends, and best friends. Um, Over time, people have moved up or down on the list or completely been crossed off the list. As far as best friends, um, I only have one on there now, which is unfortunate. Uh, close friends, uh, this person was deleted and then undeleted. And then, so now I have to redelete them because it didn't work out. So I need to update this list. All right. I have one close friend. So yay me. I have two regular friends, no potential friends. I have four acquaintances and two social media friends, which is actually more like one now since we don't talk. So that is all in all one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people in my friends list. And a couple of them are a little bit generous. So that's like my list, which sounds a little bit lonely, but you know, that's okay. So the suggestion of sketching your circle. So it says, number one, start with a small circle and write down the names of those who form your closest relationships. Ideally, list no more than five. So for me, that would be the best friend um, or close friend list. So that would be two people I have in there. It says, list no more than five. And I'm like, I don't know if I've ever had five really close friends. So that's really cool if you do. Number two, you draw a larger circle around that one. 
and inside you write down the names of good friends. So it says try to keep that to an upper limit of 15. I have two, (laughs) which is fine. I like my circle small. So, you know, while I may be sad about those numbers, um, I would rather have quality over quantity. So try and keep that to up to 15. After this, draw another circle around the second one. Thinking of your wider circle of friends, write down their names. This might include up to 50 people, but fewer is fine too. So for that, I have four people. (laughs) And then a larger circle, the last circle, says write down the names of those you are in touch with regularly but wouldn't class as a good friend. Aim for no more than 150. Use your sketch to help you see your relationships more clearly. Think about who you didn't include on the list and what does that mean to you? Are there names that you might like to move towards the center and others you feel like belong out or further out? Are there any actions you could take to ease this process? So while I'm looking over my uh, circle of friends, there is one that's listed in my regular friends category that I would like to see move up to a close friend uh, level. She doesn't live here, so you know there's only so much that could happen. But when we do interact, I feel very safe and and close to her, and feel like there's a potential to be, um, you know, have more of a friendship. So that's a good indicator for me. Like, hey, maybe work on this a little bit. Reach out to her more. If you listen a few episodes back, you know that I have a tendency to leave people in a drawer and for lack of better words, forget about them or forget about at least reaching out to them or engaging with them. So that's a good indicator for me. Like, hey, if you want more out of this relationship, like do something about it. So I think I will. I think I'll work on um, maintaining and may possibly um, making the friendship blossom into something a little bit closer. So seven ways to strengthen a friendship. Number one is being intentional with your time. Put an agreed date in the diary to meet up on the day of your catch-up, making sure the next day is agreed before you leave. I had a really close friend that we were talking almost daily, and it was great, but every time we made plans to hang out, something would happen. And that was extremely disappointing for me. I kind of downplayed it for their sake, but it's very hard for me. Generally, when it comes to like other people making plans, I love it when people cancel plans because then that means I don't have to like dress up or go out or, you know, mask or do any of those things. But when I intentionally make a plan with somebody and that cancels through, it's very upsetting for me. It's like unexpected change. Now I don't know what to do with my day. I feel like I'm just wandering around because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And so twice when she, when that person canceled on me, I went and did the thing anyway by myself because my brain was so like, this is what we're doing today. We're going to be here at this time. And this is what has to happen. Like, even if you don't want to go, this is what's happening. And so I was like, well, if you're not going to come, I'm going to go by myself, which was difficult because I don't really like doing things by myself and it causes me a lot of anxiety. Well, let me rephrase that. I love doing things by myself in my safe spaces, but like going out to public by myself is really hard. So, you know, be intentional with your time. Number two, think of a time you shared that really made you laugh. Write them a text message or email to to your friend to remind them of that. You know, just talking about 
the good old days or something funny or good memory um, is a way to strengthen a friendship. Number three, remember the details. Mark a date in your diary or calendar that your friend might not remember. When you met your first vacation together, a special picnic. To me, this borders on weird, like... And I'm reading from this magazine, so this is what the magazine's telling me, but I'm like, if I was like, hey, it's the anniversary of our, (laughs) the first day we met, like, I don't know, if someone said that to me, I would think that was a little strange or weird. Like, obviously, in, um, you know, um, relationships, romantic relationships, I feel like that's appropriate. Like, I remember when my husband and I hung out for the first time or when he asked me to be his girlfriend, and I remember those dates, but I'm like, I don't know, with a friend, it's kind of odd if I would say if it was a best friend like spanning years they probably wouldn't consider that odd they'd think it was sweet but if it was just like a general friend I I personally would think that's weird but maybe I'm wrong you know I'm I'm not neurotypical so who knows what the the normies out there think is strange and not strange number four be vulnerable and trust them to support you even if you're not someone who feels comfortable sharing your inner thoughts take a chance on a good friend and talk things through with them you'll build trust together I really struggle with this. Um, I'm all about people trusting me and having me be their sounding board. But when it comes to sharing something that's vulnerable, I struggle with it because I have been burned in the past where I've shared something and then asked them not to share it with anyone else, specifically my diagnosis. And they told the person I specifically told them not to tell. So now I feel like I'm a little bit more guarded and conscientious about who I'm sharing with and what I'm sharing, which I feel like is a good rule of thumb, but it is important to take a chance and to be vulnerable sometimes if it's someone that is a good friend. Number five, it might not be their birthday, but a funny card or package through the post can lift someone's day. I do have a social media friend. We're yoga besties. We talk almost every day and update each other about you know, what we're going through or, you know, what yoga video we did that day or kind of a little bit about where we're at or an experience we're having. And it's very lax. I feel very comfortable. I never feel pushed or pressed to conversate with them. Uh, I reach out when I can. They reach out when they can. Um, It's very special. And one of the things we share is we'll send each other little gifts sometimes. And, you know, usually it's like a birthday or a special holiday, but sometimes it's out of the blue too. And it's just like so special and sweet to be thought of in that way. And um, I'm not necessarily, you know, gift giving isn't necessary or gift receiving, I guess just say is not necessarily my love language. I love giving gifts. That's one of my favorite ways to show someone I love them. I love giving people gifts. Um, but I know for some people like receiving gifts is uncomfortable. And for me, receiving gifts is difficult. Um, it makes me feel like a twinge of guilt or discomfort. Uh, if it's coming from someone that I don't know that well, or that I feel like, oh, now it needs to be reciprocated. But with that person, I never feel like that's the case. Like when we give, we're giving out of like, the generosity of our heart and it's making us feel give, you know, feel good about giving. And the other thing I learned was if you don't let someone give you something, then you're taking away that joy for them. Like for me, it gives me so much joy to give to someone. And I'm like, that's not fair if I'm always giving, but I'm not giving other people the satisfaction of giving. Like that's not fair. And so I've learned over the years to be more receptive to receiving things, even if it's like momentary discomfort. 
I'm able to get over it pretty quickly and just be grateful and feel grateful that they get that feeling of, I got to give someone something and it made me feel really good. And who am I to take that away from them? You know, people are autonomous and they get to decide what they do and don't do with their money. And if they decide to spend money on me or send me a gift, then I, it's, you know, I feel like I need to be appreciative and let them have that. And, um, Anyway, all that to say, it just feels really nice that me and this friend, even though we're quote-unquote social media friends, we don't ever hang out, although I would like to, you know, um, it's never been something that either they felt comfortable with or that they've wanted to do, which, you know, in the beginning of the friendship felt a little bit disappointing, but now I'm learning, like, there's lots of different kinds of friendships, and just because you know, I'm good friends with someone doesn't mean we need to see each other. And I feel very fulfilled by our online friendship and being able to communicate and say, hey, and, you know, kind of talk about our personal growth. And it feels really good and really comfortable. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I really enjoy what we have and I wouldn't change it. So even though they're a social media friend, I talk to this person more than I talk to most people. So social media friendships are valid. Online friendships are valid. And don't let anyone take that away from you or don't feel like it's a less than relationship or friendship just because it's online. Because those can be very valid and fulfilling relationships too. Number six, make it about them. The art of conversation relies on you listening more than talking. Ask questions and really listen to the answers. You know, active listening. If there's something ongoing that they're dealing with, remember to follow up on it the next time you talk. And number seven, start working together towards a shared goal. This can help form great connections, especially if there's an element of accountability involved. It might be something such as getting fitter or committing to a book group. So, you know, this social media friend I have, I feel like that's helped us bond is just being accountable and not that we have to or we're like checking in like, did you do your yoga today? We have rest days. We have days that we don't. But we we always check in with, with each other and, um, you know, we'll share a video or a meme here and there. Uh, we'll share sleep stories or a yoga video we watched or something that made us laugh. And But the fact that there's been this undertow of accountability that we've been working on for several, you know, years, at least a few years of um, yoga, because that's like our main commonality and personal growth. I feel like that's what helps strengthen that bond of just um, having that element of accountability being involved. So, you know, just to recap, um, apparently 150 is the magic number as far as stable social relationships. Mine is much, much less than that. But as far as social media people that I have on my Facebook page, it's now down to 175. So I feel like I'm doing fairly well with that. Um quality over quantity is important. If you feel like sketching out that circle would help or doing an emoji list on your phone would help. And people don't have to know, like people could be like, oh, why is there a smiley face by my contact? Not that anyone would ask that, but you know, no one has to know like, oh, you're in this tier friendship. Whereas at MySpace, you had your top eight and like, it was brutal out there. Like if you said something or you did something wrong, you dropped from that top eight and everyone knew it and it was public. (laughs) Like, you know, so, and I remember even back then, like even 
finding eight people to be in my top eight was like a struggle sometimes. I didn't have eight people that I was very close to. So, you know, that's fine. So sketch out your circle or, you know, do an emoji on your phone to help remind you who is a best friend and close friend, someone that is there for you and, you know, figure out who you want to be there for you or who you want to work on a friendship with. And then seven ways to strengthen a friendship that we went over. I hope that this was an episode that was informative and helpful to you guys. It really helped me a lot to go through my friendship list and to pare down. So, um, you know, give it a try and see if it works for you too. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all the feedback and listens and likes I've been getting and following followers. Um, having a great time. Hope you are too. Until next time. Bye.